the message for today is the servants of God. Um, the first Bible text um, is found in Revelation 7, verses, verse um, 2 and 3. I should, okay. Then I saw another angel from uh, ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Remember these four angels are the very four angels who are holding, keeping at bay the four corners of the earth. You will understand it when you read the book of Revelation. This is a reference to those angels. And those angels actually, um, it, it says here for the angels to not harm. Uh, was granted to harm the earth and so on. Those angels, they actually, they are holding the evil angels at bay. When they let it go, those evil angels will do their work which will be the most horrible work, evil work ever done on earth. Um, when you study carefully the book uh, um, Patriarchs, and, Patriarchs and Prophet, when it talks about the flood, you will read one statement that uh, Ellen White mentions that, that uh, the devil, he trembled when he witnessed the flood. And what he witnessed is not as bad as it will be when the four, on, when the four, these four angels let go the winds of strife and things will be like a final destruction. And, and, and that is, that is, um, the beginning of uh, the uh, Armageddon, okay, that we read in the Bible. And, um, and in the middle of it, we will have one fighting for us. And, and so, but let's move on. And um, so, he was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying... And, and that angel that came from the east saying, said to hit this to them. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees. Till I have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. That tells me that bad things will start happening first. And then God's people is sealed. The beginning of bad things to happen first will be set in motion by the enactment of Sunday law. And based on the enactment of Sunday law, there will be a contrast between that day and the Sabbath day. And the house of, Is of Israel beginning with the sanctuary, meaning beginning with those that are... Um, teachers, pastors, and so on, will be tested first. They will be put to the test. 
if they will truly stand for the Sabbath. If they do, then they are sealed. That's the sealing that he's talking about here. The, the sealing is that at their final statement that I will never deny my Lord Jesus. I will stand for the true God of heaven. And the day that I celebrate him as my creator, my maker, and also I celebrate it as my redeemer is the Sabbath day. And even if you kill me, I am not denying him. Then at that final statement that you are supposed to make, not on, that we are supposed to make not only with our lips because it's easy, but it's with our heart. If you don't make that statement, you will then be marked by the beast. And when it says marked by the beast, the mark of the beast will be on the forehead and on right hand. Here's one understanding. I can give you all the Bible, the spirit of prophecy passage and so on, but to make it easy, I, you know, I digest it and give it to you digested you just swallow <laughs> I'm just kidding it's to save time on the forehead and on the fore and on the right hand the dilemma is presented to you Sunday versus Sabbath okay you will decide in your mind that no way okay we are talking about the mark of the beast right let's 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 say it this way it's easy for an understanding in your mind you will decide i will go along with the beast i don't care about the sabbath that is in your mind, so you are doomed. I, I mean, you know, um, people are doomed. Marked on the forehead. On the hand, yes. Even though they have not accepted in their mind, they have not accepted it, they will no, not accept it in their mind, they will go along and just do the work so that they will not suffer. That is to be marked on the hand. Those who decide their way, accept fully in their mind and follow the beast, or those who do not accept but just do the work, just go along to disguise and not suffer, let us not make too much noise about it. God doesn't want those either. You either stand fully for him or you don't. You either say, I do not accept it. And I will make a statement loud and clear that I am against it. That anyone that is yet to decide because the house of Israel meaning those who keep the commandments of God are making this statement others that will be tested afterwards they will look at you and say whoa 
he made a statement, he believes on the Sabbath, and he is not even fooling around with that idea of Sunday. He is loud and clear. He is standing strong. They will, that will be the last message given to a fallen world. To a world still in darkness, but because some of them are innocent, they do not really know the dilemma, it's not clear enough, your statement for the Sabbath will be the last message given to them. And it will be loud, it needs to be loud and clear so that they may make their decisions. And many will make the decision for God because of your statement. If it is confused, I can explain it personally after. But just to recap, being marked on the forehead, it is when you decide, I'll follow the, sun, the Sunday, I'll go with the government, with, you name it, I'll just follow the beast. Period, you are doomed. But some will say, no, I don't believe it. This is wrong, this is not biblical. But, you know, guess what? The pressure is too much. I will just go along and do certain things. I know in my heart, God knows my heart. God knows my mind. I'll just go along and do the work there so that I will not suffer or anything. That is to be marked on the hand. You will do the work. The right hand is the symbol of you doing the work. You are doomed same way. Don't mess with that. Don't. Stand for the Sabbath and be clear about it. The statement here that do not, do not harm the earth, the sea, and the trees. Just one thing for us to understand. What is this, the meaning of earth, sea, and trees? Really quick, what did God create on the first day of the week? Light. On the second day of the week, uh, waters above and waters below. The, fir the firmament, and it, it defines the water below, above, water below. The space above and the space before, be below. This is space where we are here. There is water here, okay? It's just that it's so thin. We need that amount of uh, water uh, also for us to breathe and live. And it gets, uh, when it evaporates and accumulates way too much up in the sky and then drops back again, uh, the rain and so on. Anyways, we all know this. So water above and water below. below. For us to understand, let's say water. Um, on the, on, the, on the third day of the week, what did God create? Grass, trees, Grass, trees uh, the earth. Why does the Bible here refers to um, earth, sea, and trees? The other three things that were created, the fourth was sun, moon, and star. Okay? And then the fifth was birds and fish. And the... Six, man, and, and everything. So, if you put it that way, earth, sea, and trees, that is the habitat of all created beings, earth and sea, all created beings, and the food for them. Everything there. The angel cannot go and harm the sun, the moon, and the stars. The angel cannot go. These are the things that the, that the, the, the angels can come and harm. In that, 
the crown creation, crowning creation of God was what? Who is who? Man. Man is included in there. So instead of explaining all of that, just say that and you can conclude, don't harm them. In other words, that is, don't harm men until I seal them. Until I seal my, my what? Servants. They are his servants because they are serving him. Serving him fully. Servants of our God. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, really quick. Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his what? Servants, to show you and I, and show you and me, okay, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to uh, his servant uh, John. Okay, uh, then, uh, uh, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. And then John gave it, passed it to the uh, church. And then verse 3 says, Blessed is he after that is done. Now it, it gives, shows a blessing, blessing. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy that he is talking about in verse 1 and 2. Blessed are they that understand it. And keep those things which are written in, uh, in it. For the time is near. We need to understand them well. And that's what the sermon is all about. Revelation 1, and, uh, 1 verses 1 to 3. We see God reveals to um, to his servants, the final events of earth's history. And we see it expanded in the whole history throughout the book of Revelation. You know that Revelation, all those visions and dreams and so on, they are not exactly in, in a uh, um, chronological order. It is like uh, I, I tell you, Brother James, I say, um, listen, um, the other day I went to your Garden, vegetable garden. I saw it was was beautiful. And then and then and then I tell you, you know, I, I got in the car, I drove and went to this street and this this, and then I went there. See, I told what happened at the end, but then I told how I went there. I should have told it the, the other way around, right? I, it is the way the Book of Revelation says. It's better to explain it that way. So, anyways, let us move on here. Um, how are the servants of God identified? How are the servants of God identified? What are some of the characteristics of the servants of God? We need to know so that uh, if I am not fitting in that category there, I need to do something about it. One of the things is that they understand what the message is because God told, gave them that message in, and they are blessed those who read and understand and know it, right? Um, God's servants are not those who strive for mastery, for authority, or dominion. By definition, a servant is not one who is devoted, uh, who is a, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, by definition, a servant is one who is devoted, who is a helpful follower, a supporter. That's why you are the servant. You're devoted to him, a uh, helpful supporter, and uh, a follower. Uh, the one who serves Crying out uh, 
I'm so sorry. The one who serves carrying out the will of another and seeks to benefit that individual. If you serve someone, you don't try to get the money to you, to yourself, benefit yourself. You are serving, so you do everything to benefit that individual. So that's our reference. Um, that's who we are in reference to God. Have we been a true servant of God? God's servants serve the physical and spiritual needs of who? If you are serving God, you serve the spiritual and physical, physical and spiritual needs of who? Not of God, because God would not need any of those things from you. Because he does not need any of those things from you, but he needs you as his faithful servants, he provides you someone who will need that help physically and spiritually. So you serve others. Whatever you have done unto these, you have done unto me. That's the concept. That's the idea. And it is a lot better, right? If you try to serve God by doing something to him, first of all, you would not even know what to do for him. And if you knew, how would you do it? So now... Here on earth, you know quite a few things that you, you, you know you can do for others. And then they are right, right over there, your neighbor. Right close to you for you to go and do it for them. Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. God's servants serve. Uh, we, we see this. See? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came to me. Uh, that's then the right... Okay, just to clarify what I have said already, this text is proving that. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and gave you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and take you in and naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king, Jesus, God, will say this. Will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That's, that's period. That's settled. Um, those who do the will of God will understand the pure doctrine of the truth. The pure doctrine of the truth has to be summarized into this. We are helping others. And here to clarify Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28. Uh, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your Servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Which is the same word actually. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, to, to, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a uh, ransom for many. So we are supposed to do exactly how our Lord, what our Lord and Savior Jesus did. And that is the way we are his True servants. We provide for his physical and spiritual need by doing that to others. How, how well do we, have we been fitting in that category of true servants of God? Those are the questions we need to answer as we go through these passages. The Apostle Paul says the following in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6. You do that work not with 
what? An eye service. What is an eye service? Yeah. Um, or, or what? Man what? Okay, eye service is like uh, you, you do like, you know, so people may watch you. Oh, look at how nice I'm doing it. Oh, wow. And you even do go like, oh, I look good. And you were like. You are using, uh, how do you call this thing here? Suspender. And you go like, I'm good. Uh, you can do it that way, or you can do it like, uh, no, I'll be sincere and I'll do it, but uh, it's just to please him, like please others around me and so on. Uh, but as what? As bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from, from the heart. God knows. He knows. And all that he is all that matters at the end. Okay? The servants of God do not do their work or uh, their own will, but they got the will of their Father in heaven. They know no limitations in their service to Him. The servants of God will have a spiritual discernment because they draw nearer to Christ who taught them to serve. Okay? If you want to get clo uh, nearer and nearer to Christ, you do His. You will find Him where He is, and you find Him where He is by doing the work uh, that He did. You know the work that Jesus did on Earth. He came to this planet Earth. Ellen White says, in the darkest spiritual hour of Earth's history. And he will come again in the darkest moral hour of earth's history. As far as religion nowadays, only here in America, they have been uh, defined uh, over 2,000 different religions. Only here in the U.S. We are very, very spiritual. We are probably, planet Earth has been more spiritual than any Period in, in history. But morally, I don't mean to offend uh, anyone. Just to make this one statement. And a, a little apologies to you, Brother James, because you are from the South. <laughs> and whoever are from the South, those watching and so on. But it is interesting that here in America, which place is the most spiritual that has more churches and religions ever in the U.S.? In the South. Pay attention next time when you drive on Highway 75 and so on. You will be, you will feel like this sense of nasty and when you see these billboards announcing all these bordel, bordel, bordels, adult stores, whatever, and they announce all kinds of stuff. You don't see as many as you see here in the north, which is less spiritual. Yeah. I don't get it. Spiritually, we are the highest on the top. But however, morally, then I'm not saying we are good here in the north. We are here, we are, somehow we are the same way, same. The two most secular cities in the U.S. About seven, eight years ago, Barna, um, Institute of Research for Religions 
the most secular, the two most secular cities in the U.S., Providence and Boston. And so guess what uh, is close to these places? Vernon. <laughs> very secular, very secular, very secular. And guess where um, religion really s start in the U.S.? Providence, huh? Uh, Rhode Island. How far we've gone. How far we have gone. How, how so um, we are not any better, but uh, one interesting thing is that uh, spiritually we are very, we are on top. All kind of religion. And we know all kind of things. But morally, which uh, tells me that um, you may know a lot. No, no, no. But what about the heart? Is the heart is in what you know. The servants of God in the time of the end. Just one little Adventist uh, technical expression here. Do you, you have heard uh, time of the end. And you have heard also the end of time. What is the difference? Not to test you, but the time of the end is always connected with October 22nd, 1844 is a time at the end of earth history. And the end of time is that little portion at the end. That is when everything ends. And that is when it is way too late. What Daniel here is saying, chapter 12, verse 1, is the time of the end, referring to October 1844 um, and goes to the end. And I, re I believe that Daniel is mentioning, uh, even though it's happening during the time of the end, he is kind of a more like halfway through already. It's coming close to the end of time. And he says this, at the time of the end, when everything, you know, th these things are happening and so on, Michael, this is it, he's talking about in the book of uh, Chapter, chapter 11 and the chapters before, the king of the north, the king of the south, and all this and that. And then things develop, start to develop and so on, the king uh, in the, from the east and so on. And, and he refers in verse 11 of, uh, verse 14 four in chapter 11 of uh, the time of the end, refers there and keeps talking about it. And then he says, and during that time, and at that time, time of the end, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch, who stands watch over the sons of the people. And there shall be a time of trouble. And, and I believe that that reference, a time of trouble, is the beginning of the end of time. This is not like the end of time is not like one day, poof, no. The time of the end is a period. End of time is also a uh, period, but it's a short period that it's kind of almost late if you have not made up your mind as, for, as far as who you, not who you will pay allegiance to, but who you pay allegiance to right now. The, we, we live life like in such a risk, not only because of this historical, theological, biblical, prophetic period, but also what if I die? And do you know what is our greatest sin? It's what Ellen White refers to as sin of self-sufficiency. And do you know what that is referred to? Is when you think that you 
can do it, can live, can be, can practice your faith without the help of uh, God. And that God has his greatest help for you is not that he will come down from heaven and help you physically. No. He has provided you uh, a numerous number of uh, a numerous amount of uh, brothers and sisters to help you. And we see the help of God right there, but we get offended because that brother, that sister, he combs his hair to the right, right, wrong side or whatever, dresses this way or eat that, or he is this and that. And we, we come, the, our greatest complaint is really about our brothers and sisters. It's not really about... Um, Secular people come into church. You seem, we seem to show them more love than we show to one another. And we have never, not even seen them. And they smoke, drink, and do all the other things, but you love them more. And you don't even know them. Isn't it like a problem? Doesn't the problem seem to be like with me personally if I do that? Um, and, 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 and guess what? In all of this, if they are the worst ones, worse than us, because, you know, here we, we eat uh, good vegetables. <laughs> we are vegan, vegetarian. And we, are, we keep the Sabbath. We give tithes and offerings. And we are Seventh-day Adventists. And we wish happy Sabbath to everyone. And we call ourselves Christians and so on. And, but, however, we have that little thing against one another. And then, you know, what Jesus... There is one prayer recorded in the Bible that Jesus... Uh, one very specific prayer, and it is the longest prayer that he is recorded in the Bible, in um, John chapter 17. And he prayed for a, for something. What was it? He prayed for you and for me. He didn't pray for unity. He prayed for you and for me. The problem that he referred to was lack of unity, that we need to be united. Yeah, he prayed for unity, you're right. But he prayed as far as a person. He prayed for you and for me. Okay. Um, then let me say this. With all of us, with all our, our little problem that we upset each other so easily, and we do not get upset with the, the people when they come to church to visit, and sometimes they come and they are not dressed pr properly and to come to church. And I even had once a sister in church. She was... Uh, one of those uh, holier than thou. <laughs> and uh, she went to the visitor and said, uh, is it uh, the proper way of dressing to come to church? And the person contacted me later saying, I'm never going to a church. I have no other clothes. You know, you don't, you don't say that to them. They have a lot more, wor a lot wor more worse stuff, bad stuff than, than the clothes in their hearts, in their dietary lifestyle, their mind, and so on. They sometimes even come smelling, smelling cigarettes, smelling alcohol, uh, and you name it. Now, how many of you like um, hair? If you burn a bunch of hair and, and you smell it, like you smell burned hair or burned bones, do you like it? No. Do you like burned uh, bone? What if I say that God likes it? I'll prove it to you. When the offering was cut in pieces and put on the offering of sacrifice, what did God say about it? It's a sweet aroma unto my nostrils. 
It is not because the smell itself, but the meaning of it. A soul is coming back to him. When you see that smell, it's a soul coming back. So you just should you should just ignore and Amen. It's a sweet aroma into my into my nostrils. When I smell alcohol and cigarette, I'm I'm not being you know don't don't condemn me. Here's a statement that I over the years have agreed in my own mind. I'll share with you. The church will be only and truly uh, be doing its work. It is not when the church is smelling your cologne and perfume and looking good the way you look. It is when the church is smelling alcohol and cigarette all the time you come to church. That means that every day there is one that smokes and drinks that is coming to church. That is when the church will be doing its work. That's what Jesus will say. It's a sweet aroma unto my nostrils. That's what the Pharisees, the scribes and the lawyers, what they did not understand. So much so that they had what was, called, what was known as the purification baths, which were seven tubs. You'd go to one. This is where you take your clothes and everything. You go to one and you bathe yourself. From there you step to the next one and to the next one. Through the seven, all of them. Then you had seven because it's a perfect bath. Now you put your, your, your clothes and you go and, and you say your prayers in the public places and people praise you and so on. And, you know, um, and, and that's when you see that Jesus was seen. And he, actually, Jesus was condemned because he was eating with these people. Every time they see Jesus, Jesus is in the house eating with this one. Eating with that one. He's a glutton. And he drinks also. Because he is with the drunkards. He is with the... I don't know if he called him a prostitute, some kind of, because he was with them too. And you name it. But he is a messenger. He, Jesus was a messenger, wasn't he? What is a messenger in, in, in Greek? Those Spanish people here, a messenger in Greek is Angelo. Angelos. Angelo, Angelos is angel. Angel. And that means a messenger. Angelos means a messenger. All these beings, angels, are messengers of God. And Jesus was a messenger. Which type of messenger he, was he? Well, let's go. We didn't read this text, did we? And at that time, during that time of the end, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. If you do not know who Michael is, it is defined the great prince, okay? And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. So that's why it is like worse than the flood. Even to that time. Um, and, uh, when it happens. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. In the book of God. The book that God wrote. He wrote your, he wrote your name there. At last, uh, at the last chapter. Chapter 12 of uh, Daniel. We, we it summarizes the closing part of the time of the end. And at the time of the end there will be a time of terrible suffering. I mean, uh, if anyone has ever gone through any type of suffering, and I don't diminish the suffering that you have gone through, 
All that I say that the Bible says me, tells me, says to me, is that uh, that suffering that will come will be even worse than what you have ever gone through. But it offers this. That time also offers a hope by saying that that chapter, chapter twelve, that at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. So we just need to make sure that our names are written on, on the in the book. And the name is written in the book on the Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year. And the beginning of the year for you and me is when you say, Lord God, I accept you. I'll follow you. Your name is written there. So you have entered your name there. And because the period of uh, Yom Kippur started in 1844, your name is entered there. And you entered also during that period that you have to afflict your soul. Uh, by asking for forgiveness so that your name may be kept there. So that your name may be not blotted out, but your sins may be blotted out that was transferred to the most holy place in the sanctuary in heaven. This is way too much language here. We can explain it later. But let's move on here. Let's ask Ellen White to help us in the book Prophets and Kings 590. In the time of the end, the people of God will what? Okay, which time? First of all, which time? Time of the end, right? Time of the end is from 1844 to the end, right? And the people of God will be what? Sigh, will sigh and cry for what? The abominations done in the land. Um, have, you been, have you been really like speaking up against all the abominations done in the land? So now, now in our days now, and I don't know if you have been paying attention, but... The abominations have been increasing more than, more than ever before. Uh, do you remember when uh, I stayed here in New England? First of all, I will leave it up to you to guess which state. Approved same-gender marriage, and there was a big commotion, big talk back and forth in the whole U.S. Which state was there one? Why, why do you look at bad places like uh, New York? And, and uh, why don't, didn't you say California? I said in New England, right? It was the state of Vermont. Our beautiful Vermont. I hope someone is not watching from there. But uh, Vermont, beautiful. Vermont has just about 800,000 people. It's the smallest state as far as population here in New England. Um, it, this was like, uh, I remember the year, it was 2001, I, I don't really remember, it's, I, I know for sure it was 2000, and 2000 or 2001, 2000 and 2002 between that time, I think it was 2001, and they voted, and it was like, wow, and we thought California was the one doing that, no, California was not, California was just being rebellious and doing it. And uh, making arrangements with the law and so on. But the one who defined it as officially, here we vote, Vermont, and go on, and so on. Um, so, 20 years. And it was less than um, 15 years later. The whole U.S., every single, is okay. They voted it. And, and then, you know, we talk about these things, and if we put these things together with the word 
we read here. I may be condemned. Because there is what they call um, the law of my space. If you're not familiar with that, it, it is coming. The law of my space is I do and I believe whatever I want. And if you talk about it, you are in trouble. You are infringing my space. And they can just make a phone call and they come and visit you. And then you will end up somewhere where you are not you don't like to. All right. So many things and crimes and you name it and, um, and, and drugs and you name it. Problems in society and you name it. It's like uh, rampant. Everywhere, all the prophecies that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 24, they, um, Jesus probably did not refer to as many as we have now. He referred them into categories. But here we have them in categories and subdivided in various categories, sub-categories, all over, all over. So, it says that in the time of the end, the people of God will sigh and cry for the abominations done in the land. With tears they will warn the wicked of their danger and in trampling upon the divine law. And with unutterable sorrow they will humble themselves before the Lord in penitence. When you see these things, you will, it will not be described how you will humble yourself in penitence. Penitence is searching for repentance before God, allowing Him, surrendering everything to Him because you see and you know that this world is not coming to an end, is rushing to an end. The wicked will mock their sorrow and ridicule their solemn appeals. Do, do you know why you have not seen a wicked Ridiculing and mocking your appeal? Because <laughs> we are not appealing. We are not appealing. If we are not appealing, we are not there yet. I, I'm just saying it's like... Um, but the anguish and humiliation of God's people is unmistakable evidence that they are regaining the strength and nobility of character lost in consequence of sin. In other words, when these things are going really bad and ugly as they are, God's, God's people's uh, character is becoming more like Him, more and more. They are growing. They are really seeing that this, end, this thing is coming to an end, and I don't want to be caught by surprise, sleeping as the five foolish virgins. I want to trim my lamp and let the shine burn. I will not put uh, my, my light under um, a bushel. No, I will uncover and let it shine really bright. It is because they are drawing nearer to Christ. Hmm? That's why. Because their eyes are fixed on his perfect purity. You don't pay attention to these things. You cry and sigh and cry and you see it is sad and bad. But you go to Jesus and you are getting closer and closer to him and your eyes are fixed on him, on his, on his uh, purity that uh, they discern so clearly the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Again, 
If we are not seen and sighing and crying, it is because there is something wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm please just come to me and say, you are totally wrong. And you even can say, you, please don't preach that message. It is not that it will work. I'm just saying you can say that. <laughs> okay, and she ends this way. Meekness and lowliness are the conditions of success and victory. A crown of glory awaits those who bow at the foot of the cross. So, really quick, we took too much time here. Let's just recap these points here. This one, servants of God warn the wicked. Okay, embracing. One, servants of God, servants, servants of God warn the wicked of their abominations and desecration of God's law. Two, the servants of God humble themselves before God in penitence. Three, the servants of God in humiliation and anguish develop strength and nobility of character. The servants of God draw closer to Christ for their minds are fixed upon the when God's purity in their life, uh, um, God's purity in their lives, yeah. Um, the servants of God discern the sinfulness of sin. The servants of God win the victory because of meekness and lowliness of life. The servants of God are found at the foot of the cross. Another insight is that um, the servants of God, Paul speaks about it this way, Rom Romans 6, 22, quickly. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, servants of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, the consequences of it, what the way the end will be for you is everlasting life. And during this period, the, the, the reason God's people get closer to him is because they cannot endure what is taking place in the world. And they get more consecrated because they know the end is coming. That is why Jesus says that all those signs of the times will be happening, all those horrible things and the time will cut short for the sake of the elect. And if possible, even the elect will be deceived. How could all these things be happening and I am seeing them and I will be deceived? It is very much possible because that's exactly what is taking place. Uh, folks, I don't really mean to be alarmist. I am not. The time of the end is upon us. That is why in all of that, God's church composed of 10 virgins, 50% will be caught sleeping. And 50%, uh, my wife says that I am very bad in math, but that I, I can do. It's five is 50%. It's half. Um, once again, the perfect beauty of the character of the servants of God is revealed in the holiness of their lives. Here, the inspired apostle sets uh, the character of the servants of God. You know, um, he sets forth the character of the servants of God. They will, in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit, have victory over all hereditary and cultivated tendencies. We have no excuses. 
Ah, oh, my father did. Oh, yeah, I was born that way. Ah, oh, those things. Oh, no, you have victory. They are holy and consequently their Lord will reward them with eternal life. And finally, the servants of God will serve Christ throughout eternity and their names are written in the book of life. Romans 22 verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb uh, shall be in it, and the servants, his servants, shall serve him. Continue to serve him there. Just a quick Daniel 12, 1. And at that time, Michael, see the word Michael there? Really quick, Michael. Shall I stand up? And, I, and if you do not know who Michael is, is it, it defines it right there, the great prince. And you say it is Jesus. Uh, that's our belief. And the Seventh-day Adventist church is just about uh, the only church. There are a few others there, like groups, few that really study the Bible by themselves there, that they agree that the Michael is a reference to Jesus. The word Michael, we say Michael, is, um, is a question. Mik is who? Ha, like, El, God, who is like God. And when you go to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Re a reference to say that Jesus, you know. So, um, let us move on here. I need to skip a couple of things. Paul, uh, not Paul, Moses, way back years, many years earlier, he said this in Exodus 32, 32. Yea, now, yet now, if you will forgive their, if you, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot out, blot me out of your book which you have written. Moses, you know what that, you know, the, the story what it was that Moses asked, take my, if you don't forgive them, take my name as well. Uh, God has a book that he has written the name of every single one of those that said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And, um, and, and you can let others know to inspire others and honor God greatly if you want to show them. But you don't show them, look at me, I am a Christian now, I'm telling you. No, you go there to the water and you are baptized to show that, yes, that's, that's the, the ceiling that you are written in the book of life. Luke, 20 verse, Luke 10, verse 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. Okay? Don't, don't, don't rejoice in, in this, that you know, Paul, Paul, uh, Luke is talking there. That the spirits are subject unto you. You know, they went and did all these miracles, expelled spirit, and you are, they, are, they were like, wow, and we did this, wow, this is awesome, we are so happy. And he said, no, don't be too excited about it. That's not a big thing, you know. Rather than that, rejoice that your names are written in, in heaven. And don't you, don't we have a great reason to rejoice that our names are written in the book of heaven. They need, our names need to be there. And I end with this passage. Revelation 13, 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose name have not been written in the book of life and of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Who is this him here? Read it carefully. Yeah. So, and, and also it says that all, 
who dwell on the earth. Are you dwelling on the earth? You should not. What can you do about it? They follow who? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Most holy place. The lamb is the bridegroom. Who's the bride? The church. The bride is supposed to be with the bridegroom. If the bridegroom is before the father in the most holy place in heaven, the bride needs to be there. That's what Ellen White refers to as the servants of God. They are his servants as long as they do his will here on earth. And she says that, and by faith they follow him there and present, uh, present themselves before him to be married because after they are married, which takes place now, he will come to take them physically to the banquet, not to the wedding. The wedding will be done, and those who are waiting for the wedding at that time, they'll go like, uh-oh. <laughs> and it will be an eternal uh-oh. So those who are, even though you serve all your service, your mission field is here on earth, you should uh, spiritually in your life and heart and so on live with Jesus in the sanctuary in heaven. The rest of those who are here dwelling on the earth, they are the ones that will be worshiping the beast because they have not gone to marry Jesus. So um, all those who dwell on the earth, him, the beast that came out of the sea, the first beast is a representation of that. And we know that beast, the name, lives in a small town, small, small country in, in the heart of another country there in Europe. What glorious privilege this is to be the servants of God because they are his people and they do his work, follow him in his work, in his ministry, ministerial work here on earth. At the end, when everything has been said and done, God will deliver them. They are in the territory of um, the enemy, and he will come and deliver them right from there. He goes beyond enemy's line and deliver them. These are they, you and I.